Some time ago, my friend Mike called me and said, Steve, I have a message for you. You have to make a podcast. It's very important. Do it now. And I said, okay, I will. Can you provide me with extra time to do that during my busy schedule? He said he couldn't do that. But then I managed to free up some time. So here's my podcast, Audio Chimera. This is episode number eight, Chief Cook, Bottle Washer and Baby Machine. Before writing this, I was having a taco, and I began thinking about how much I love spicy food. I grew up in Pennsylvania Dutch country, and everything I ate growing up was very bland. One example, boiled pot pie. You cook some chicken, pull the meat off the bones, throw the meat back in the stock, and add onions, salt, pepper, and egg noodles. And boil that some more. Ladle it out on your plate. Do not drain the stock, but don't eat it either, as it may contain nutrients that boiling sucked out of the food. It is perhaps no wonder that, as my culinary experience grew, I sampled the many spicy flavors of the world that are sadly lacking in Pennsylvania German cooking. Indian? Check. Thai? Check. Chinese and Japanese? Check and check. Mexican, or what passes for it in America? Check. My first taco experience occurred in a Taco Bell in Fort Wayne, Indiana. What a revelation! Food with flavor. Spicy. Crunchy. I was hooked and started making my own version when I got home. But then, what was I doing in Fort Wayne, Indiana, is another story. I am still only in touch with a few people from high school, and one is my friend Jim. I hope he doesn't mind me using his real name. We used to hang out a lot after school. He lived in Dallastown, which was a bus ride away, but if we were dismissed early, I'd drive him home and we'd play basketball in his parents' driveway. At one point after high school, our church pastor decided it would be a good idea to open the adjacent school on Sunday evenings for the young adults to gather. We would meet in the faculty lounge, which had a pool table, an odd accoutrement, I think, for a school with mostly nuns on the faculty, have some soft drinks and snacks, and hang out. We would also go exploring, and on one such trip I discovered the thunder sheets hanging at the back of the auditorium stage, which must have been used when my mother acted in the passion play during her time there. We also found our way to the third floor gym and played, yes, you guessed it, basketball. Into this mix came the young woman who would become Jim's first wife. One of the other women brought her one Sunday, and to welcome her to the area, I took her out on a date once, but we discovered in a long talk yes, just talking, that lasted until 6 a.m. that we were not compatible romantically. Then Jim had one date with her, and they were engaged. I think she may have been the only woman he had ever gone out with. Anyway, things looked promising for them until her father abruptly and unexpectedly died, and her mother decided they were moving back to Fort Wayne, Indiana. That Thanksgiving, Jim decided he wanted to visit his fiancée and asked if I wanted to go along. I immediately said yes. And no, not because I had heard of this mystical Taco Bell. Not because I wanted to drive for hours and spend a couple of frozen nights with his fiancée's family. No, because I wanted to see Nancy again. 
Nancy was a friend of Jim's fiancée. She had come to York to visit one weekend, and I was her blind date. However, things seemed to go very well, and we began writing letters. Yes, writing letters. And so when I had a chance to see her again, I said absolutely yes. So Jim and I planned to pack up and drive the 500-plus miles to Fort Wayne on Wednesday. There, of course, had to be a wrinkle in the story before we even left. One of the classes I was taking at my first college, yes, let's leave that name out, was theater practicum. But all we really did was get together and play balloon volleyball, which can be a lot of fun, or read scenes, or do improvs. One night, one of the female students, who had these huge brown eyes that always made me think of the Robert John song, Sad Eyes... did a one-woman performance of a melodrama, switching hats and voices and accents with each character. She was very entertaining. (laughs) The night before I was to leave for Fort Wayne, and for Nancy, I gave this young woman a ride home from school. And when we stopped in front of her house, she turned and looked at me with that look that even I, in spite of being the classic nerdy guy, could read. Kiss me goodnight. And it was clear to me that she was not moving until I did. So I leaned over, kissed her, and she slid out of the car. So let's think about that on the long drive to Indiana. So Jim and I made the trek. There was his fiancée and Nancy, just as cute as I had remembered her. She was a pre-med student at Notre Dame, and in my smitten attraction, I ignored her litany of the anatomical names of the turkey bones as she helped strip the carcass of meat the next day. But somewhere in there, something was clearly wrong. I thought we might get to that next stage of courtship, you know, holding hands, or what one of my friends once called premarital interdigitation. But she seemed aloof. Even sitting next to her in the back seat of the car... And there were three of us, so we were in close proximity. It seemed like we were miles apart. I asked if I could put my arm around her, and she said blandly, If you want. Well, no, not really, if that's your answer. I forget how long Jim and I were there, but we needed to drive back to York post-haste in advance of an approaching blizzard. We left at some god-awful hour in pre-dawn darkness and began the long voyage home. At one point, not that long into the trip, Jim wanted me to drive, and I suggested we stop at a rest stop. At this time, I was not yet a coffee drinker. That would wait for graduate school. But I drank two huge cups of coffee, waited for them to zing, and we were on our way once again, finally making it home before the snow began. Once home, I wrote Nancy a letter asking what had happened, why she now seemed uninterested. In response, I received what was the most potentially insulting, yet perhaps funniest letter I have ever gotten. In it, she said she wanted to concentrate on school. Fair enough. And that perhaps it wasn't time to be tied down. Well, we were so far apart, that could prove to be difficult. 
and that she wanted to concentrate on her career first and not follow in her mother's footsteps and become, and I'm quoting here, a chief cook, bottle washer, and baby machine. That was the part that was both insulting and comical. That was the farthest thing from my mind. And besides the fact that I've always wanted to be an equal partner in a relationship, hey, why don't we see what develops before we go get the marriage license? But that was pretty much it for us. I may have written a rebuttal. That sounds like something I would have done. But I never heard from her again. So we're back in school, and the next time I was asked to drive the young theater woman with the brown eyes home, I jumped at the chance. Things hadn't worked out with Nancy, but maybe with this one. Perhaps I should ask her out on what a later English female acquaintance of mine would call a proper date. We pulled up in front of her house. The car had barely stopped moving when her hand was on the door handle, and she thanked me for the ride and ran out. Perhaps I had not been passionate enough on my last kiss, so there didn't seem the likelihood of another. Oh well. Missed opportunities. As a postscript, my Intro to Theater Part 1 students share a little bit of the story each fall semester. When I speak of the medieval period, and how it has been suggested that women dressed as men to find greater fulfillment in life, such as Pope Joan, I suggest they did so to avoid becoming a chief cook, bottle washer, and baby machine. This phrase seems to amuse them, and while I never credit her, I give Nancy a brief thought every year. Anything you want to hear more about from this podcast? I can elaborate. Just send your request to stephenschrum at musifier.com. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S-C-H-R-U-M at musifier, M-U-S-O-F-Y-R.com. Or leave a message at 724-835-4074, and I'll see what I can do. I receive no cash for products I mentioned, but please feel free to throw money at me to advertise here. For more information on my works, check out my website, musifier.com. For written works, search for me on Smashwords as Stephen Schramm or Musifier, or find me on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. This is Stephen Schramm. Thanks for listening to Audio Chimera. <laughs>